It's time for episode 112 of the Clockwise podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, November 11th, 2015. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where you have a 90 seconds to make your opening statement, followed by a short rebuttal. I'm your moderator slash co-host, Dan Morin, and I'm joined across this fine country by my co-host, Mr. Jason Snow. We gotta make podcasts great again, Dan. (laughs) It's not about us, Jason. It's about them. The them we are speaking about are our two excellent guests this week. To my left, editor at large for The Wirecutter, it's Mr. Glenn Fleischman. Hi, Glenn. Hi there. I, I'm a podcastican American. Mm-hmm. And to my left is the host of Less Than or Equal, which is a most excellent podcast, and uh, a, a previous player player on Clockwise, <laughs> Ms. Aline Sims. Hello. I'm a, I'm a vet, a podcasting vet. Yeah, a pro. A pro. Professional podcasters, as mm-hmm. we like to say. Well, we're going to discuss four topics. Um, it's week two of the Apple TV. I have one. I've been enjoying it. Um, but I'm curious, has your televisioning been revolutionized? Well, uh, uh, yes, in terms of how angry I am at my television, (laughs) that that part is a little different. I haven't been this angry at a TV, uh, since our TV based product, since I think, uh, my replay TV started to die years ago. Uh, I have a new Apple TV. I think it's a great step forward in terms of what it can do. It is not a great step forward in terms of what it currently does at release. I, I'm really disappointed with the, uh, the the sort of fit and finish I expect from Apple. Um, and you know, you know, people get accused of being fanboys all the time, and I write about. Uh, Apple stuff a lot. And I was really looking forward to jumping to an Apple TV that seemed to be um, a better integrated part of what I do. And I like the idea of not having every app that it offered on screen, being able to customize, install things. And I just feel like they biffed a lot of things. Uh, I'm sure everyone will talk about password entry. I've had to enter my password over and over again. But also, it just doesn't feel like a well-organized launch that there's not anything compelling for me. The, The best thing I've done so far is get back to the point I had with my previous generation Apple TV, get all the apps installed, figure out how to use them, decipher the new Hulu app, which hides settings in your queue in a really weird place. Um, So, so, uh, you know, try to figure out the orientation on the remote control, like, wait, which side, if I rub this, it's smooth. If I rub this, it's not smooth. So uh, it's been, it's been a a challenge as so far, I've not thrown the remote remote control at the television set. So far, um, it's but good, I, they're I'm, expensive. Uh, that's right. The TV and the remote controller equally expensive. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to the potential of it uh, now that I've gotten back to status quo ante. I've been enjoying my time with it. It has not my te- televisioning has not been revolutionized, uh, but I've been enjoying it. We, uh, I wrote about this on Six Colors. We uh, did a birthday party for Jamie um, for my daughter turning fourteen, and uh, I ended up turning on the Apple TV because they were talking about listening to music and they were they're sort of singing along. And I thought maybe we should let them sort of play some music. And I was looking through the playlists, and in the end. Um, they, they, uh, I found the song they were wanting to listen to, but I gave Jamie the remote and I just basically said, go for it. And she'd never used the Apple TV, TV, um, the new one before. And it worked pretty well, although I had to tell her, uh, she didn't realize you could click the trackpad, which I thought was interesting, an interesting little quirk. Um, that, that uh, she just didn't think about the fact that it was a trackpad that was like physically clickable. And once she got that, then she was she was uh, on it. And, and uh, so it revolutionized perhaps not my life, but uh, my daughter's birthday party. And in the end, uh, we also put up a bunch of pictures that we had taken during the thing on uh, 
on uh, iCloud photo sharing, and uh, that left led to much laughter. So um, some good experiences with it, but uh, still haven't haven't spent you know enough time with it to uh, to say more than that. I think. Yeah, I we've had ours a week, and I haven't really spent much time with it. I haven't been excited. Um, the parallax effects on like all of the little app icons kind of creeps me out. I don't like it. Um, so so I, I just I'm I'm not really messing with it a whole bunch. I mean, we're using it just like we used the second and third generation. Well, we've had at least one of each, but um, you know, we're using it just like we did the third generation one that that it replaced on our main TV. And, you know, I, uh, we bought PCALC right off the bat and, uh, that's about it. And, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm looking forward to my, my television watching being revolutionized, but I don't feel like this is the thing yet. Um, yeah, I'm with most of you guys. This feels like a, like a, like a 0.5 release, not like a 1.0 release even. I mean, or a 1.5, I guess you could say if the old Apple TV was the 1.0. Um, there's a lot of stuff I do like. Siri, I think is actually really great. Um, I like the new app structure. I like that there are some apps that I couldn't get before Plex being the number one on there. I really has enabled me to let my Fire TV fall by the wayside. And I do think it's at least as good as the Fire TV in most ways. But it does feel, I agree with Glenn's point, that it, it lacks some of the fit and finish I expect from a, from an Apple product. I think a lot of that might have to do with the fact that this was, I feel, I think they originally intended to release this alongside a subscription product, which hasn't happened yet. So I think that there's in some ways this is a placeholder or half done product. It's got some cool stuff, but it's not all there yet. So I too am looking forward to the potential, but right now I'm feeling kind of like, well, this is fine, but it's not, it's not blowing me away. And I, I want it to be blown away. Uh, thank you all for your thoughts on that. Topic number two comes from Glenn Fleischman. Ransomware is in the news, and uh, it, this is software. It's not a new thing. Ransomware has been around actually for quite a while, but the concept is that it's malware that once it infects your computer, it encrypts uh, your files, some percentage or all of them, and puts up a little nasty screen that says, hey, you need to pay X dollars, or of course now, X Bitcoin, to unlock the files. The interesting twist with ransomware is that the criminals are typically very honest because this is like one of those uh, moral dilemmas. Like, if they are not honest, they would be rooted out because people would be so angry. Instead, it's an inconvenience, and people pay hundreds to thousands of dollars to get their uh, files back, including uh, it's happened to police departments and companies, uh, individuals, uh, you know, people writing about their uh, woman wrote about her uh, her mother or grandmother, where she had to like figure out how to get Bitcoin for her mother or grandmother. And the criminals are actually very understanding about the delays because Bitcoin's hard to obtain. <laughs> and they're like, oh, no, that's cool. We'll wait. It's fine. No, 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 it's cool. And uh, but here's the, the the breaking news. Two things. One was uh, Kaspersky Labs. It does uh, antivirus, uh, anti malware software. Managed to extract a bunch of keys for uh, people who had, did not pay the uh, the ransom. Uh, that happened a few weeks ago, and they were distributing those. So some people have now been uh, able to uh, get out of that situation. But the other is that researchers have said uh, two different researchers have found proofs of concepts of ways to bring this to the Mac. It's not in the wild, but they've shown apparently, at least privately, that it's possible. So my question is, is sort of twofold: is you know one. If you've ever encountered this, what have you done? And two, it's kind of the moral thing. You know, we, we're not supposed to negotiate with terrorists, but uh, you want your files back. What, what would you do to mitigate this? Or would you pay, you know, $100, $1,000, $5,000 if it, if it came to your machine? 
I would hope that I have enough backups in other places that it wouldn't matter to me that I that I I've kept my my documents my important documents distributed to the point I mean this this is another example why having backups is good I guess because if somebody locks you out of your computer and steals your stuff then then uh, you've got a you got a backup for it so I don't I don't know what I do other than to say that I I think it's unlikely that I would pay a ransom and I would uh, you know I would be glad that I was paying for uh, backup and doing local backups and having backups in various places that, that are full of my data. But that's uh, that's super scary. And I, I think the overarching thing here is that we have a complicated uh, system of networks and computers and <laughs> software that are not bulletproof by any means. And, you know, this is going to be an issue in so many different ways, harming governments and harming individual people and, uh, you know, crime you know, crime on the internet is, uh, this is not the, this is not the end of the story. This is the very beginning of the story, which is scary. Boo. Scary. Thanks for scaring me. Glenn. Mm. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of with Jason. I back up my backups. Um, what I'm super interested in and what I've been thinking about a lot lately is educating people about good, good computer hygiene, good, you know, best practices to use when, um, downloading files and, you know, surfing the internet and that kind of thing. Um, because these are kind of things that I grew up with, but I don't necessarily know that everybody did because I was very definitely in the internet from the time, you know, we got it when I was 14. And so something that I'm trying to figure out is what is a good way that we can start help educating people that isn't intimidating and scary. And, you know, it won't, it won't make the risk go away, but it'll, it'll reduce the likelihood of, of, getting an infection like this, um, quite a bit. So, um, this is a problem that I'm, I'm noodling on and maybe hopefully we'll have a, not a way to solve, but a way to contribute to, um, improving in the future. Glenn, thank you for bringing this to my attention. I am leaving the internet now. I'm destroying all of my computers. (laughs) It is the only way to be safe. We'll miss you. Um, I was never here. Uh, I, you know, I, I think Jason's right that having, you know, backups and secure backups, because, you know, in theory, if these guys are clever enough, there's no reason they can't start, you know, screwing with your backups too, which is even scarier. Um, but yeah, having secure backups that are, you know, disconnected offsite, all of those things are really important to maintaining your data security. In some way, this is scarier than if like a virus deleted all your files, right? Because, you know, then it's kind of just malicious and, and, but like almost like an act of God in some ways, whereas this is like, there's somebody trying to extort money out of me this information is here i just can't get to it um so i i agree that the education is a big part as aline said i think that that's you know knowing not to make yourself vulnerable to these which a lot of times happens via things like phishing attempts and spam and that kind of that kind of vector uh is important it's important to make sure that all the people in your life are, are well informed about that kind of thing and it's important to make sure that they have backups of critical information that's not there i mean even in the same way you know I, i've been recently working trying to get my parents to sort of you know, consolidate their passwords into something like one password, because I'm worried that at some point something would happen and I would, you know, not know what the passwords to anything are, which is kind of like it being encrypted, right? So, you know, there's an element of that, too, where it's like good hygiene, good practices, all of this stuff is really important because so much of our data is locked up in these, you know, behind passwords and our computer accounts and encryption and all that. So, yeah, it's, it's it's important to be proactive. The backup thing is critical, and I think it's important for people to remember that if they're using 
uh, whole disk encryption, which I highly recommend on the Mac because it works so well with File Vault 2, that doesn't actually protect them uh, because the files within that are accessible and can be encrypted inside of it. So um, full backups offsite or time machine because you can go backwards through time before the files uh, were attached. But yeah, I keep wondering, like, if it came down to $1,000 or losing files, I think I'd have to pay the money uh, in, because the the files are almost always certainly worth more than that, and that's what they're relying on. It's tricksy. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Well, thanks for terrifying us, Glenn. All right. That's you. what you're here for. And uh, that's two topics down. We have two more to go. Uh, it's halftime. Time for our halftime sponsor. This week's episode of Clockwise is very exciting. Brought to you by Foot Cardigan. What is foot cardigan, you're asking yourself? Because I think people on our panel are asking that, too. I'm asking you, Jason. (laughs) Here's what it is. It's pretty awesome. A subscription to foot cardigan will get your favorite person one pair of whimsical socks delivered to their mailbox every month. That's right. It is a sock subscription. But they're going to remember your awesome gift every single month for as long as you want. One of the most stressful parts of the holidays is picking out the perfect gift for someone you know. Foot Cardigan makes it simple and finally makes it awesome to be given socks. At last, socks will be a cool gift again. And again, suggest that they ever were, but now they are. Once you subscribe or buy a subscription for someone you love every month, a new pair of socks is going to arrive at home. It's like Christmas in July and August and May. And February, think about how awesome that would be. A surprise pair of fun socks delivered to their door every month. It's the gift that keeps on giving. And for fun-loving adults, uh, it's also there, there are also four whippersnappers. That's right. You can also do sock, uh, foot cardigan socks for ages 3 to 12. They'll get two pairs a month instead of just one. It's not even Thanksgiving yet, but let's face it, you procrastinated on your holiday shopping every year. This year will be no different. It's never too late to change. <laughs> be your parents' favorite kid this year. Get them a subscription to foot cardigan. You will be quite possibly the most popular person in your house, especially if your house loves socks. Who doesn't love socks? Otherwise, the shoes are really uncomfortable to wear. Foot Cardigan subscriptions are available for three months, six months, nine months, prepaid. There's also a month-to-month option, and listeners of Clockwise can get 10% off all subscriptions with the code code CLOCKWISE at checkout. Remind your favorite person how awesome you are every month, and your reminder will go on their feet. It's Foot Cardigan. Thank you so much to Foot Cardigan for supporting (laughs) Clockwise and all of Relay FM. Halftime is over. That was one of the more exciting ad reads I've ever done. And now we will move on to a new topic. This is less exciting. Apple Music came to Android with a beta this week. And I was reminded of when iTunes came to Windows and Steve Jobs referred to it as being like giving ice water to someone in hell. Um, I'm curious what you think about Apple's strategy, about why they're going uh, to Android with Apple Music, and uh, and if you had a chance to look at the app or the screenshots of the app, what you think about that? Because one of the challenges is, does Apple make Apple Music on Android look like iOS, or does it make it look like Android. Um, but I'm curious what you think about Apple Music being on on Android instead of iOS for once. Aline? So I have actually never used an Android device. Um, I don't think I've even used like a Fire tablet. Um, so I am horribly misinformed here. But I think it's smart for Apple to bring Apple Music to Android. I mean, Beats was on Android. They got presumably a lot of, um, a lot of subscriptions that way. Um, and it's a way, you know, to kind of diversify what they're doing. Um, from what I've heard, it's pretty decent um, as far as like the app experience is, is pretty okay on Android. It's following Android's conventions pretty well, which I think it needs to. You design for the platform you're on, not the platform that you wish you were. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, and yeah, I, I, I think it's I think it's really interesting that they're doing this. Um, 
my experience, we've remained subscribed to Apple Music in our household, um, but I never use it because it never worked well for me, um, like from a performance standpoint, from selecting songs I'm interested in. Um, but we, we're continuing to give it a chance. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting as more people kind of get on board with it, uh, what their experiences are going to be and if it's working better for more people. Yeah, I mean, this is not unlike iTunes in many ways, right? Because I think a big part of having iTunes on PC was not only to open those people up to be iTunes customers, but also to point out that this was sort of a platform agnostic service you know it's content is platform agnostic you can you can buy music whether you're a pc user or a mac user and, and i think this is the evolution of that right it's the you can subscribe to our digital music service no matter what platform you're on um and so having that as an option you know and, and apple acknowledging certain that certainly both that android is a large player in this market um, and thus there's no reason for them to cut themselves off from a huge potential customer base but also as kind of you know an attempt at something like a halo effect where it's like hey maybe you enjoy apple music and maybe you want to buy into the rest of the Apple ecosystem. And, you know, as Tim Cook pointed out in the most recent quarterly results, they got a ton of switchers coming in from Android. So this is yet another way to sort of entice them over to the Apple side. Um, from what I've seen of the app, it looks fine. I, I'm not particularly impressed by the Apple Music app on iOS. Uh, <laughs> and it's part of the reason why I didn't continue to subscribe to it. Um, but it, it looks like they fit in with with Android, which I think, as as Aline said, is smart. You want to like be a good citizen on the platform that you're on rather than trying to be do your own thing. Um, so uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. I don't know that Apple will ever tell us exactly how well it does, but uh, it makes smart for them to sort of it's, it's smart for them to sort of cover their bases here. Well, I uh, I am excited about the idea that Apple might have competition somewhere because I think competition is the thing that Apple needs most of all right now. And uh, you're seeing that in the iPad side. You're seeing that in certain market segments in which they aren't the you know the dominant force. And I like the idea that because there are uh, usable, viable music services elsewhere that they need to come to Android. And I want this to happen in more places. I want Apple to say, you know, as the old Klingon phrase, only uh, Nixon could bring ice water to China. I think it goes. Uh, no, that's not right. Nope. But Tim, but <laughs> I'm remembering my original. It sounds Klingon like the original Klingon. Yeah. <laughs> sounds better. But uh, Tim Cook, uh, you know, certainly the person who has the, the least baggage about this. And he should be, uh, you know, directing the company to to do more apps on Windows and Android. I just bought an Android phone, an unlocked Android phone. Inexpensive, but very good. I bought a Windows 10 laptop. I want to understand the ecosystem more because so many products now work. Uh, you know, Microsoft is Office 360 is uh, five is all over the place, and um, I want Apple to do more of that. I want iWork on uh, you know Windows Phone. I want Android to be able to, to configure an airport uh, base station. So. <clears throat> I want more of this, and I hope this is a foray uh, and not just, oh, we got to compete in this one segment. All right. That's good stuff. I, I appreciate it. I the, All I have to say is um, I like the fact that, for example, Apple is using the Android Share icon on the Apple Music app on Android. And I'll point out that Google's apps on iOS use the Android Share icon. And uh, I think it's really uh, bad practice because uh, I don't know what that share icon looks like. I'm not a Google, I'm not an Android user. I'm an iOS user that also uses some of Google services. I think Google should uh, uh, give users credit and uh, 
use the conventions of the platform that they've chosen and not try to force their own conventions across to a different platform. And although I'm sure that there are elements in Apple Music's app that look a little weird to Android users, I appreciate that they seem to have actually attempted to give them the button icons that they want. (laughs) And uh, so applause for that. And again, a dig at Google because Google, when I use YouTube, I'm like, what am I tapping on? Where's the share icon? And it's because they don't really care that it's a different share icon. It's dumb. All right, we have one more topic. Aline, what do you have for us? Well, today is iPad Pro Day. Um, so people have them in hand as we speak, and it seems like they might be even more popular than I anticipated. I, I didn't really think many people would be buying them, but I'm hearing like, yeah, my store sold out. Um, so I'm wondering who's getting one, and even if you're not getting one, what you're interested in seeing um, like come to pass over the next few weeks and months from the people who do make the purchases. Uh, I'm I'm not getting one. I was just saying to Jason this morning, actually, that I'm I feel like kind of meh on the iPad Pro, uh, and maybe it's just not the not the product for me. Uh, I got an iPad Air this year for the first time. I was an iPad Mini user before that, and I've been fairly pleased with the iPad Air. Um, although I will say that. I cannot imagine getting a larger iPad than that. It's just really hard for me to like, it doesn't seem to fit into the kind of things I want to do with it. And I'm, I'm pretty happy with my MacBook Air as far as my portable computing decisions go. That said, I think that the most interesting elements of the iPad Pro are, you know, there's some of the accessory stuff. So the Apple Pencil, I think, obviously is a big, uh, a big uh, interesting development for Apple. It's an interesting direction for them to go. Uh, I think it's probably kind of a niche product, but I think the niches that, you know, to which it appeals, it will really appeal for artists and people who use that need pen input for those things. I don't think it's a a thing that everybody needs, certainly. Uh, I'm interested in the smart keyboard, though, after reading John Gruber's review this morning, I felt that maybe he sort of identified a lot of what I feel like are the concerns with it, which is that the iPad and iOS is not really designed for keyboard input. Um, but I'm interested to see if Apple improves that because that's the kind of thing that could sort of, uh, you know, fold back to the the iPad Air and iPad Mini and sort of lift the keyboard integration across the line. And then the most in, the thing I'm sort of waiting on most of all, because I saw a screenshot that uh, Federico, Federico Vitici posted of some dialogue box open on the iPad Pro. And it's like this gigantic table view that's like 90% <laughs> empty. And I'm like, you got to find a better. I mean, if you know the screen's going to be that much larger, you got to find a better way to use the screen real estate. I honestly feel like so i'm curious to see what developers and apple decide to do with all that extra screen real estate now at their disposal uh yeah i'm not getting an ipad pro but i'm i'm really fascinated by it when it was announced all the cartoonists and illustrators i know on twitter were like i'm saving money or this is my next purchase to replace my wacom uh cintiq or a similar device they're like this is it because this combines things i already need to have with things I already use and it puts it in one device and it looks great. I was like, Oh, okay. But that's a small audience. So since I'm not planning to buy one, I put on my pundit hat and say, you know, who is going to buy this? And I still don't know. I know there are tens of millions of people in America who spend most or all of their day on the road as salespeople or uh, consultants or technicians and so forth. And, you know, is this a device that replaces a laptop for them because it gives them what they needed from a laptop? Uh, but it's also, uh, it's also, something different. It's got a unique transformative power because you have touch uh, entry and you can use it in that mode. You know, is the surface filling that role for some people now or is that the role that people uh, wanted? So it's that, you know, what job does this do? And I think 
I always like to know, think about what does Apple know that we don't because they have all the market intelligence. And my suspicion is there is a huge demand in the enterprise with the enterprise, including things like um, you know medical technology, you know nurses, doctors, uh, medical technicians, um, road warriors, and so forth. The enterprise not being in a company in a campus, but but a broader definition. I think there's going to be a huge pull there. That or that's what they're expecting. That's what they've been told from the research. So uh, um, in, on my pundit hat, yes, my my personal hat, I'm going to go to an Apple store and play with one because I'm really curious about uh, what the experience is like. It sounds very interesting. Again, this is a little early, but uh, I was struck by something in John Gruber's review at the very end, the last line, which basically says the the mainstream future of this kind of computing is not going to be with a trackpad and on a what we think of as a computer, like a Mac or a PC. And I think there's some truth to that. I, I, I think uh, when I look at somebody like Federico Vitici, who is, who is young, and he is a he needs to be mobile and he is a professional you know writer and blogger and he does everything on his iPad and yeah he's an outlier today but I'm not sure he's an outlier in the future I think he's more of an auger of what is to come and uh, so I'm I'm uh, you know, I'm really intrigued by it because I feel like this is uh, this is Apple's chance. They need to do more with iOS to really embrace this if it's going to succeed. Because it, like the home screen is still <laughs> just like icons that you can't see one icon when if you're standing on the other icon, they're spread apart. And they need to do more work with that. But I, I'm really excited to try it and encouraged uh, that that. Uh, Real productivity on iOS uh, can happen on on an iPad Pro better than any other device they've made. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see. But I'm excited about it. So we are getting one. My my husband told me first thing when we woke up this morning because he stayed up late. He was like, (laughs) "We are going to the Apple Store tomorrow. It is reserved." And I was like, "Okay." And I was like, "I'm surprised you didn't tell me when you came to bed." And he said, "I couldn't get a pencil. Otherwise, I would have I would have awakened you." Um, So so we are getting one. Um, I'm not super excited. You know, I was watching the the announcement and I was like eh, I mean I can see some some um, some really cool implications for this um, I used to work in healthcare and one one of the things our medical coders uh, we had an app um, and at that point in time it was the iPad 2 that they were coding on and they were always like I wish I wish I had a bigger screen this would be perfect if I had a bigger screen so for like medical records um, patient visits that kind of thing uh, road warriors like Glenn was saying I think it's going to be amazing um what what Justin is excited about is he um, he is he's brainstorming apps app ideas or features in um, in the chat system that he writes. Um, he r- takes notes by hand, and he's really really excited just to be able to do that digitally, so he doesn't have to keep track of a notebook. Um, and and that's going to be really interesting. But I'm super excited to see um, the art that comes out of this. That was the thing that that really struck me was like this is going to be amazing or has the potential to be amazing for artists. And as I start to um, I have a mid term goal of kind of starting to learn calligraphy and hand lettering type stuff. And as I start to do that, I'm really excited to to have one in the house that I can I can play around with. And what really opened my eyes to what might be amazing about the iPad Pro is multitasking on the iPad Air 2 and how much better um, my life was. I have a mini, so just using Justin's iPad Air 2, which will be mine after today. Um, <laughs> and, and seeing, you know, how that changed the way I was able to interact with the iPad and how it removed a lot of the friction that I've always felt with the iPad. I'm kind of interested to see what that does for for the Pro. All right, cool. That's uh, four topics down. We have just time for our bonus topic. Bonus topic this week brought to you by Casper. You've heard me talk about them before. An online retailer of premium mattresses. You can get them for a fraction of the price you'll find in stores. They will ship at just 
right to your door in a box. You're not going to have to pay the, uh, the the prices that you'd see in a mattress store. You you can try it for up to 100 days, and if you don't like it, you can return it. That's a lot better than laying down on a mattress in a showroom for five minutes. It's a one-of-a-kind mattress made with hybrid technology. There's premium latex foam, and then there's memory foam. They come together for better nights and brighter days. As they say, usually mattresses can cost over $1,500. Casper mattresses start at 500 for a twin, 750 full, 850 queen, and 950 King, and they're all made in the USA. Casper mattresses are risk-free because of the 100-day trial, and so you should check it out. I've actually been sleeping on a Casper mattress for a year now, and it is delightful, so I think it's worth a try. And because it uh, has a trial period, you don't have to be afraid that you're going to buy a mattress that you hate because you can try it out and you're not going to hate it. Listeners of Clockwise can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash clockwise and using the code clockwise at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much to Casper for supporting Clockwise and all of Relay FM. Dan, what's our topic? It's the apocalypse has happened. You have one <laughs> chore that you must do for the rest of your life. This is the only chore you must do, but it is the chore you must always do. What chore is it, Glenn? I love doing dishes. I'm a great guest. Have me over because I love it. It's a meditative task. I'm very good at it. I love dishes. I'm going to say feeding the animals because... Mm. That's a great chore because they're really happy that you're feeding them. The only problem is when you want to be like staying in bed and the animals are bugging you because they want to be fed. But, you know, again, you can't beat a a task where there's actual gratitude from somebody because it doesn't happen with people, but it happens with animals. I don't mind vacuuming and mopping. Kind of like Glenn with dishes, I... It's, it can be a meditative thing for me, and I can actually like see the results in my house, so that's always a nice thing. Okay, so you're all coming over to my house, and these are the things <laughs> you're going to be doing. Oh, no, it was a trap. <laughs> I, too, am a dishwasher. I haven't had a dishwasher machine for a decade now, so I'm quite wait, used wait, to hand-washing there's a dishwashing dishes. machine? Yes, it's called Glenn, the Glenetron. <laughs> uh, and so that is what I end up doing a lot, and I get to listen to the radio or music or podcasts when doing that. That's sort of my primary time to be able to just sort of sit there and, and meditate, as Glenn says, so. Thank you all for that. Now we know which chores. This will be going straight to your significant others, spouses, etc. So they know <laughs> you have no no chance to hide anymore. Uh, and so it remains only for us to thank this week's guest, Glenn Fleischman. Thank you so much for being here. A pleasure. And Aline Sims, thank you. Always fun. And thanks to everybody out there for listening. Uh, we will see you next week. Until then, we just remind you, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye. Sockwise. <laughs> oh. oh man. Winner. <laughs>